Good morning, church. All right, y'all are way more awake than that 8 o'clock service. Let me tell you. All right, Happy New Year. I'm so excited to be with y'all this morning. My name is Stephen Pollitt, and I'm the discipleship pastor here um, at Gateway, and I'm so excited to be able to, to bring the word this morning. Um, Blake, Sean, and Brooke and Autumn are down in Houston. Um, Blake and Sean's niece got married yesterday, so they were down there celebrating and gave me the opportunity to be able to, to be here with you guys this morning. So I'm very thankful um, to be able to be here. I'm very thankful to, to be able to um, bring God's word, and I'm so thankful to be able to bring the first message um, of the new year. So I, I've, I've never had this opportunity before. So this is huge. Um, my wife has had a really good week because I lost my voice a few days ago, so she hadn't had to hear um, a whole lot from me. But every so often, I got to get some, some water here to make sure my voice will make it through this third service. But again, I'm so excited to be here. And so I just want to lay a little bit of groundwork before we dive into God's Word here. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to, to Micah chapter 6. Um, we're going to be in verses 1 through 8. Um, Micah 6, 8 is my favorite verse ever. I love it. I read it weekly. Um, I love going back to this verse. And so I'm so excited to be able to, to dive into it with you guys um, today. Um, but I just want to lay a little bit of groundwork and a little bit of, of um, uh, of what led us to, to this point, what led us to me bringing the message. And, and so the sermon um, title today is What If? And this is something that you'll be hearing a lot of over this next year. Um, and so a few months ago, uh, the staff and I were able to go away on a staff retreat and we got to talk about the things that God is doing in 2019 and start praying about um, really where we feel the direction of the church should be and, and really seeking God um, for the new year and for 2020. And so we were all going around and just kind of sharing what our thoughts were and where we're at and things we're excited about. And, um, you know, one of my major roles in my job is, um, as a discipleship pastor is investing in and, and helping lead our connect group leaders. And so I was sharing something that I wanted to put in my connect group leaders, um, lab to challenge them this year is to ask the question, what if, and then fill in the blank as connect group leaders. So what if our connect group grew and we had to multiply this year? What if our connect group served together this year more than we've ever served before? Um, what if our connect group um, reaches out and invites more people? And so as we started thinking about that, um, we started really thinking about this might be, need to be a question that our entire church um, needs to answer. So that's what we're doing this morning. So if you have a bulletin when you came in, um, there's a sermon notes section and there's a couple, uh, a few different areas where it says what if and then a, a fill in the blank um, part. Um, this is something what I would like for you to do if you don't have a bulletin, use your phone and jot down some notes. Um, but as we're diving into God's word and, and, and tackling the questions of what ifs, I want you to start writing down what are some of your what ifs. And what I'd really love for you to do as time goes on to come and share with me what some of those are. Find a safe place in your Bible and, and keep this bulletin in your Bible all this year so you can refer back to it. Um, but share with me what some of those what ifs are so I can be praying for you. One of the things that I'm really excited about is this time next year talking about the things that God did based on a question that we asked him. So I'm so excited to be able to, to again, dive into this. So again, if you have your Bibles, um, open up to Micah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and your enduring foundations of the earth. 
For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? Have I wearied you? Answer me, for I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. So this section of scripture, it reads a lot like a legal document, like we're, we're about to have a trial and the people of Israel on trial. And, and this is the evidence that God has uh, against the people of Israel. But as I read this and, and think about it, especially when you get into verse four, it says, for I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And not only did I did that, but I sent you Moses. I sent you Aaron. I sent you Miriam. I gave you everything that you needed in order to pursue me fully. I gave you everything that you needed. But why do you still turn away from me? And he asked the question, he's like, well, what have I done to cause you to be so far away from me? What have I done to push you away? So you can see his desires to have his people in, in communion, in closeness with him. He says, what have I done other than saved you from slavery? What have I done other than given you the most amazing leaders in order to be able to lead you? What have I done? So what I get from this is, is that in order for us to ask the what if questions, like what if I read my Bible more this year? What if I'm involved in biblical community? What if God does this? Or what if my marriage is healthy? Before we can ask those questions, according to these first four verses, I really feel we have to be able to have a real authentic perspective of who God is and what grace is. Right. So as I was thinking about this, an analogy that... that um, it came to mind is, you know, God's a lot like um, a radio in your car. How many of y'all still listen to the radio in your car? So there's a few of y'all. So I love sports radio. So I love to get in the car, hear, uh, turn on sports radio, and hear them talk about how bad the Cowboys are. And I get a lot of joy from that. Um, and, and it's really exciting for me. But I get in the car. But something that I didn't think about is those voices don't just start talking when I hit power in my car and I, and I drive off. If there's people in, in a studio and they were talking way before I ever turned my car on and turned the power on um, to that radio. And that's something that we have to understand about God. It, it, is he was working long before we were ever here. He was speaking and investing in us as his people long before we ever even were thought of. And then the next thing with a, with a radio... When you're, you're driving around, when I'm listening to my sports radio, the further I get away from Dallas, what starts to happen? You get static, or a new station starts to try to come through. It's the same thing with us with God, is that the further we get away from Him, the harder it is for us to hear from Him, the harder it is for us to be connected with Him. And so in order to be able to ask the what-if questions, we have to have a healthy perspective. Number one, who God is, and number two, what grace is. We have to have a healthy perspective of what has been extended to us. So a big what if for this year is how do I stay close to God? How do I stay close to him? Part of that is perspective of understanding he's been at work for a long time. As Christian, I've been in ministry a long time. And I hear this 
often is I just don't hear from God the way I used to, or I just He just doesn't respond to me the way that He once once did, or that I you know I, I'm going through a tough time and I just don't feel Him anymore. I get that a lot. And my question is, is, is do we have this healthy perspective of understanding he's worked in our life once. He's worked before we were ever here. And God is up to something big. And then what happens if we have that healthy perspective of grace? So again, I have a story, um, just uh, a situation with me and my kids, uh, me and my son specifically. Um, is I love television because I love sports. I love watching my Kentucky Wildcats play basketball. I got to see them win yesterday. It was an exciting time for me, and I love it. Um, and so I love my television. So last Christmas, I got the most amazing gift. I got a brand-new 55-inch 4K TV, and it was incredible. And I loved it. I pulled it out of the box, I put it in my living room, and then I set my boys down and had a talk. This is not a toy. You don't play with my TV. You don't look at my TV. This is dad's TV where he gets to watch Kentucky play basketball. So don't even think about turning this into uh, a spaceship or whatever it is that you want to pretend to be. This is dad's toy. Don't mess with it. Um, and then a few weeks later, I'm at work and I get home and I walk in the door and it's like eerily quiet. Like typically um, the boys like run to the door and like greet me and like punch me in the stomach and high five me and hug dad and it's awesome. Um, but that didn't happen. So I walked further into the house and the boys are being strangely quiet and Natalie's in the kitchen and she's like wiping off the counter. She's being quiet. I was like, you, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah. Uh, are you having a good day? She goes, yeah, we're having a good day. And she goes, how was your day? I was like, it was good. I was like, okay. And so I go into the living room and I, I find the remote and I'm about to sit down and I turn the TV on. And Natalie goes, we, we need to talk before you turn the TV on. I was like, oh, my gosh. Who died? Like, what has gone on here today? And she goes, you know, the, the boys, you bought them these brooms and mops and things that they can help kind of clean the kitchen with me. She goes, they were playing with those, and they kind of turned them into swords. And one of the boys were swinging around, and it hit your TV, and it broke your TV. I go, What? How is this even possible? I, I turned the TV on. It's like I looked at it. It didn't look broken. I turned it on, and then it's just like red and green, and there's this like crack that just runs down the middle of it. And I was like, this is my TV. That was my toy. It's the thing that brings me so much joy. And it's gone. And the first thing that walked through my mind is, all right, we're going to timeout. Everybody's getting spankings. I'm going to gather up all your toys, and I'm going to break them right in front of your face. So you know how this feels to me. And then cooler heads prevailed. And I stepped back and I thought, this is a great teaching opportunity. This is a great opportunity to be able to, to, to teach my boys about grace and forgiveness. And so I set them down. I go, Caleb and Katie and I, I'm really sad that y'all broke my TV. And they're like, we're sad too, Daddy. We're so sorry. And I go, oh, it's okay. It's okay. And I just told him, I was like, I forgive you for breaking my TV. It's really okay. And I gave him a big hug, and I kissed him. Went on, They then the house got louder again. You know, the time of mourning for my television had come to an end. And I took the TV out, and 
because it's such a rough life, I brought my 40-inch TV back in. It's really a struggle we have at the Paulette House. Um, and, um, you know, I was thinking that moment, like, it, it could have been um, very different. And then I was thinking, like, when I came into the house, um, my wife was afraid to tell me my TV was broken. Um, the boys were afraid to tell me that my TV was broken. I started thinking, I was like, boys, I want y'all to be able to come to me with anything. Like, I don't want you to be afraid of who I am. I don't want you to be afraid of my response. I want you to be able to come to me and tell me anything because you know you're going to experience forgiveness and grace. Now, discipline might be a part of that as well. But forgiveness and grace is what, they, is what they're going to experience. And so that's a big prayer for me as a dad that says they continue to get older. That that's what they're going to experience when they come and they talk to dad. That they're not driven away because of fear, but they're attached because of grace and love and forgiveness. And that's what it means to have a healthy perspective of what grace actually is. I'm so thankful in that moment that, that God kind of said, this is a teaching moment. This isn't a discipline moment. So I had that opportunity with my boys and, and you know, to see how rough of a life it was. A few months later is my birthday and I got another 55-inch 4K TV and it's still hanging in there. Nothing's broken. Um, but it's important for us to have um, this, this view of grace, a proper view of grace, and that we have to understand that, that um, grace permeates us even that when we fall. And if we have that healthy perspective... And so being in ministry for so many years, what I see so many times is Christians that they'll step forward, especially in a new year, and say, I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to go to Bible study. I'm going to church every single Sunday. And you say, I'm going to do all these things until it gets challenging, until it gets hard. And they're like, okay, I missed church this Sunday. I'm going to miss it again. Um, oh, I forgot to read my Bible today. Okay, I, I forgot to read it yesterday as well. And it keeps getting harder and harder and harder. And what tends to happen is we don't allow grace to permeate our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so what happens when we have a healthy perspective of grace is that when we fall, when we stumble, when we are faced with challenge, that God's the one that picks us up, dusts us off, and he keeps saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. When all we want to do is say, I quit, I quit, I quit. God is saying, you can do it. Keep going. Keep going. It's okay. I forgive you. I expected this. This is why I sent my son. He expects it. And he encourages us to keep moving forward. And like I said, I've been in ministry. I'm going into 17 years of full-time ministry. I love it. But there's times it gets hard. It's a struggle. And there's times um, that I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to quit. There's a time in my life that I was sharing that with Natalie. It's like, I just, I really have a a hard time. Wanting to just wake up tomorrow and think, like, this is what I'm going to do. And the thing that Natalie said to me, she was like, I can't imagine you doing anything else. Like, it's like, I'll sell used car tires. She goes, I can't imagine you not being a pastor. I can't imagine you not going in and preaching God's word and teaching God's word. It's such a huge encouragement. But when we have a healthy perspective of grace of when we want to quit, then you're surrounded by those people and you're surrounded by a loving God. Saying you can, you can do it. Keep going. Keep pushing into me. I want more of you. I want more. 
And when we fall down, he picks us up and he dusts us off. He goes, keep going, keep going. And it takes a healthy perspective of who God is and what grace is to be able to see that. So what you need to know is that this Christian life, it isn't something that we do. You know, coming to church, going to Bible study, reading your Bible, that, that's all activity and it's good things. But this Christian life, it, it's who we are. It's who we are. And Natalie saw that in me. And that's what I see in you guys. And that's what helps me continue to keep moving forward um, in this ministry and continue to, to, to push into God and asking him for wisdom and direction. Because this isn't what I do. This is who I am. This isn't what you do. What's happening right here, right now, this is who you are. It's you. And so that we have to have a healthy perspective of who God is and the grace that extended from him. And then we find out more in verses 5 through 7. It says, Oh, my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised. And what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and with 10,000 of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And so what we see in those next two verses is that when we have a healthy perspective of who God is and what grace is, then he's also calling us to remember who he is and what he's done for us. Okay, he mentions Gilgal in this story. So what happens at Gilgal is where God gives God's people a promise. This is the land that you're going to go into. I have a land. I have a promise for you. This is what's going to happen. I'm here for you. And he makes this promise to his people. And he says, remember, remember who I am. We had this great opportunity to take the Lord's Supper together corporately with our brothers and sisters in Christ to start out a new year together, remembering who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. So what happens when we remember what salvation is? Often. What happens when we remember exactly who Jesus Christ is and what he's done on that cross? It calls us into being able to share exactly who he is. So, so big what ifs. We have a healthy perspective. We remember who God is and it calls us into something. So a big what if is what if every single person in this church shares their faith with somebody on a weekly basis? What if this baptistry is full Week in and week out because of the, the calling we have in our life to share our faith with others. So what I want you to do now is open up your bulletin and in, in that bulletin or open up the notes section on your phone. What I want you to do is start listing the people that you know that has no relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to start listing them out. I want you to start praying for them. I want you to start praying for opportunities that you might have to be able to share the salvation that you've received because you have a healthy perspective of who God is and that you remember what salvation was like for you. What I also want you to do is just list people that you know that might not have a church home, that are believers but are struggling to find a church home, that you can invite them to church. 
that you can invite them to be a part of what God is doing here. You know, some of you, 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 you've come to church here because somebody invited you or you drove by the church and it was on, uh, the information was on the sign, so you decided to try it. Or you hopped on the website and you're like, oh, I'm going to give that church a try because that discipleship pastor looks awesome. Um, I know that's what most of you did. Um, but what if all of us are extremely passionate about bringing the ones that we love and the ones we know into biblical community with us as well. What would God do with that? What if this church had its own evangelism ministry where we were able to equip you to be able to go out and share your faith effectively? So that's a big what if that you can pray for me and pray for our church staff as we're looking at, at launching the early part of this year. And I know what a lot of you are thinking like, hey, um, you know, sharing my faith, like talking to strangers, talking to somebody, that's kind of scary, and I'm afraid of that, and that's somebody else's calling. My question is, do you know who Jesus is? Did he die on the cross for you? It's your calling. It is your calling to be able to share your faith with those that desperately need to know it. It's my calling as well. So what if God took away the fear that we have to share our faith? What would happen? What would happen? And so we have a healthy perspective of who God is and the grace that is extended to us through salvation. We remember who Jesus is and that motivates us to let others know exactly who he is and what he's done for us. And then the last thing is he calls us into action. And in verse 8, again, this is my favorite verse. It says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So now he's calling us into action. This, this verse, it's an incredible verse. So there's a cool story. Um, the Library of Congress, um, as they're building the, the different sections, um, as you walk into the different areas, there's a different quote or a different verse above the hallway before you walk in. Um, as they built the religious section in the Library of Congress, um, they got religious leaders from across the country, Christians, Muslims, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, all different backgrounds, all different faith systems, all different beliefs, and they all got together and they started talking about what needs to be our quote, what needs to be above um, the religious section in the Library of Congress. And what they landed on was Micah 6.8. It's to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with God. That's, that's an amazing thing, that they came to an agreement that this is, this is what we want inscribed on the wall. But here's the deal. We have to have a healthy view of what this verse means as well. The reason why they put that above the Library of Congress is because it calls us to action. But for a lot of them, that's what their faith is wrapped up in. That if we do good, if we do justice, if we love kindness, if we walk humbly with God, then we might obtain salvation. But that's not what the Christian faith teaches us. What the Christian faith teaches us is that we believe in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, what he did on that cross and how he overcome the grave. And because of our love for him, we do justice. We love kindness and we walk humbly with him. It's an overflow of our faith. It's a heart change that happens. It's not salvation to do those three things. It's the result of salvation. And so what I really want to dive into now is as we look at these three things, what does that do for our what-if questions? 
So let's look at, at, at justice. What does it look like to do justice? What does it mean to do justice? It means to do the right thing. So a big question is, what if we all did the right thing this year in 2020? What would that look like for our community and for our church? It's not possible. I'm going to mess up about five minutes after I'm done preaching. But what if we have a healthy view of what grace is? What happens if we remember who Jesus Christ is? What happens if we're called into action? And how do we do the right thing? We give it all to him. So what if we connect with God in 2020 unlike we've ever connected before? What if we're held accountable in biblical community that we join a connect group or that we, we uh, get involved in re-engage or regeneration or men's ministry or women's ministry and we have a body of believers to hold us accountable? What if God becomes our everything and not just our Sunday mornings? What if we invested in the spiritual life of our family? What if we read scripture with our kids and talked about who God is and talked about who Jesus Christ is to our kids on a daily basis? What would God do with that? What if I fully invested in my marriage and gave it to God? Just again, a plug. There's a table outside these doors with a sign that says re-engage. If that's one of your what ifs, what I want to encourage you to do is go talk to the leaders that are at that table and find out about what re-engage is. It's a commitment. It's 19 weeks every single Tuesday, but it's worth it. If you really need to invest in your marriage, there's an opportunity, a God-given opportunity, that when you walk out these doors, you have an opportunity to say what if and then see what God does. So what if we fully invest in our marriages? What if we join a biblical community this year? What if we serve unlike we've ever served before? What if Stephanie had backups to the backups in the children's ministry that we never even had to think about who was volunteering? What if the same thing for all the mission opportunities that we have or regeneration? What if we give sacrificially this year of our time, our talents, and treasure? What would God do with that? So what if we do the right thing? Not because we feel obligated, but as an overflow of who we know. What if we love kindness? Another translation in a lot of your, your Bibles, it says mercy. What if we prayed for our neighbors? What if we share Christ with everyone we come across? What if all of our connect groups have a mission and we serve together? What if my kids see me loving others unlike ever before this year? What if foster love had more volunteers than they to do with and that every single foster family in this community was blessed because of the ministry that we have here? What if the food pantry that we support was full of food constantly? What if this church, the people that, that are involved here, what if you guys... What if everywhere we went, we're at the grocery store and somebody asks, hey, what church do you go to? And you say, hey, I go to Gateway Community Church. And people say, I know about that church. What if we were known for how we love God? What do you think that would mean for our community? And the last thing, he, the, this overflow, is he asks us to walk humbly with God. 
one of my favorite stories, and I've shared it before. It's just a small verse in Scripture. It's the story of Enoch. It says that Enoch walked with the Lord, and then he went to be with him. So Enoch never died. And so there's a Hebrew folk story that goes a little like this, is that Enoch would come out of his house every single day, and the Lord would be there to greet him, and they would walk all day. And they would get back to Enoch's house, and Enoch would say, Lord, why don't you come into my house and rest? And he says, no, Enoch, but I'll see you tomorrow. And every single day they would repeat the same thing. Until one day Enoch looked at the Lord as they get back to his house and said, why don't you come into my house and rest? And God says, no, why don't you come into mine and rest? And he takes Enoch into glory with him. What does it look like to walk humbly with God? So what if our worship exalted him and him alone? That it wasn't about our preference. It wasn't about what we like. What if our worship was evident in who we know God to be and how we worship on Sunday mornings? What if the same thing happened when we leave these doors and how we worship is evident in the way that we respond to the people we're surrounded by? What if we realize that we can do nothing apart from him? Nothing apart from him. What if we realize that any sacrifice that we make on behalf of Jesus Christ pales in comparison to the sacrifice that he's already made for us? What if we humbly walk with God and we realize that? It might change the way we give of ourselves. What if we lay down our pride and allow God to heal us this year? There are people in this room right now, me included, that struggle with something. You struggle with an addiction or you're struggling with depression, or you're struggling, uh, you're carrying a burden that that some of us in this room wouldn't even know how how to carry that burden. What if we allow God to move in that? What if we all joined Regeneration, allowed Chris Stovall and his leaders to invest in us, and we see God move in a unique way? And to see the blood of Christ at work, healing us from the things that hold us bondage. What if God continues to grow our church? It's a big what if this year. Last year, 2019, was the biggest year we've ever had of adult members joining this church. 2018 was the previous largest year. I think we're going to continue to see people come to be a part of what God is doing here? What if he continues to grow us? What does that mean for us individually? What does that mean for our ministries? What is God calling you to do to be able to usher in people into this biblical community? 2020 is going to be an amazing year. And as I said earlier, blessing comes to those who are faithful. Now, faithfulness is hard, it's challenging, and it requires sacrifice, but blessing comes with it. So as we get ready to close here, uh, and and Judd comes forward, um, we're getting ready to respond, and in the back of this room, um, there's prayer warriors in the back, they'll have a tag that says prayer team, and they would love to pray with you this morning. There is somebody in this room that you don't know who Jesus Christ is. And I pray that you, receive to, to, that you receive salvation that can only come from him today. And I pray for boldness that, that you'll go and tell somebody about a decision that you've made. Some of you, 
know who Jesus is, but you've been struggling, and so you don't feel really close to him. But today, you're praying for God to move in your life, for him to be able to to make himself known, and that you're pushing into him. I pray for boldness, that you're willing to, to, to go to somebody and talk about the commitment that you've made today. Some of you are talking about, where can I serve, or how can I serve better? Shameless plug is next weekend is our Connect Conference, the Friday the 10th and Saturday the 11th. If that's your big what if of where to serve or how can I serve more effectively, that's a great opportunity. On Friday night, we'll have a worship service uh, and we'll have a guest speaker. His name's Dr. Conway Edwards and he invested in me years ago that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the investment that he made in me. And I'm so excited that he will get the opportunity to invest in you. So if you don't have anything else going on, and your big what if is where can I serve or how can I, I pursue God better? I pray that you'll come next weekend on Friday and then Saturday to be equipped. But most importantly, if a healthy perspective of who God is and the grace that comes from him. Remember what he's extended to you. And then allow him to move you into a place where you can be most effective to serve him. Let's respond.